Once upon a time, there were tens of thousands of makers struggling. Every day they built for hours and hours, but didn't ship and didn't earn enough income. One day, the No Code Wealth podcast came to help them find a way. Because of this, makers became founders and lived the lives they deserve. Because of this, these founders live abundance, freedom, and creativity. That's what I'm all about. Hello, my name is Aziz and from being a poor boy born to a single mother in North Africa to failing multiple startups, yet learning a whole lot, to barely escaping alive the war in Ukraine, even living as an illegal immigrant, I've lost everything twice. And now I'm rebuilding my life one more time, 1% a day, sharing the wisdom of luminaries I've interviewed on this podcast from Google executives to Amazon, Microsoft, Tesla, Harvard, Financial Times, and even a priest from the Vatican Church. So let's begin. My guest today is Ron Voller. Ron is a writer, producer, and creator based in New York City who for 20 years worked alongside Emmy Award winners and Tony Award winners in producing events in the theater industry, as well as for the New York Fashion Week, Yahoo, Bloomberg, and many others. When he is not ghostwriting for high-profile individuals, consulting for writers who want to perfect their craft or actively researching at the Huntington Library Munger Research Center, Ron is exploring the most fascinating topics for humanity through his own books, such as his latest, Hubble, Humison, and The Big Bang, The Race to Uncover the Expanding Universe, which is now available on Springer Praxis. Ron, how are you today? I'm just great, Abdulaziz. Thank you for having. Uh, thank you for having me on. It's my honor, my privilege, and you know, it's important to feel people run right away, feel they're like metal or their type. And you're one of the kindest, most interesting people I've ever met. And I know I'm setting the bar high <laughs> from the very beginning. Uh, <laughs> and to begin exploring your mind, what does seem to be a topic or a subject that insists and demands that you keep on thinking about it that demands your exploration, thought, energy that you have been thinking about these days? Well, thank you for that. Uh, that was that was a I hope I live up to that introduction. <laughs> I really appreciate it. Yeah, such an interesting uh, intro to your to your space here on this podcast. Uh, and of course, I like so many people in the world, yourself included, having lived through some of it, I'm thinking about Ukraine, and Russia, the Russian people, and the, 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 the experiences that they are having and, and what it means. But something in your uh, intro did trigger <laughs> uh, historical figures that are based in my book, then I the, like Joseph von Fraunhofer, for instance, who was a poor child, uh, orphaned, uh, and um, sent to uh, work 
alongside a glassmaker and through a somewhat tragic uh, circumstance of fate, found himself buried under the rubble of an exploded shop space and was pulled from the rubble and befriended by the prince of his territory. And through his connection with that prince, who saw him as kind of a, a galvanizing figure, if you will, um, was given opportunities uh, with other glassmakers. And Fraunhofer went on to become one of history's greatest uh, instrument makers. And crucially for our knowledge of space <laughs> um, was with the inventor, the, the discoverer, really, of what are known as the Fraunhofer lines, which are the, mar the earmarks of... Uh, of gases that make themselves known uh, through very, a special instrument called a spectroscope. And these lines appear in, in um, spectrums of the sun and other stars. And it's through this discovery and the development uh, that from that discovery that we have learned about how stars uh what is made in the stars and how that helped to create everything we see uh, in, in our galaxy, in the universe, etc., and the planet that we live in uh, and this ecosystem. It's really a fascinating story. And, and your, your intro uh, stemming from people following their bliss, uh, being given opportunities, coming from nowhere, and establishing themselves in a variety of ways, I thought was inspirational to the story. And Milton Humason also. But anyway, that, that was one. Fraunhofer is the, the first person I thought of when you <laughs> in your intro. So I thought, rather than talk about um, Ukraine and Russia, which we certainly could spend an entire hour on, <laughs> and then some, uh, I, I figured I would start with that. Um, one thing on Ukraine and Russia that I that I that I will say that I don't maybe people are feeling, uh, but uh, I don't know that we you know I, I I express that I think about this in terms of spirit, which is to say how how a moment like this lives on in the memory of in the memory of people in society and. The the for me personally, I think the U.S. and NATO policy has been a failed one. Um, I believe that the minute Putin began to build up his forces on the Ukraine border, uh, that NATO, the U.S., should have led NATO right to the other border and dared him to flinch. Personally, having been on the playground with the bully. The only way to do that is to face the bully, look him in the eye, and tell him he's not going to dominate. And um, I, I do believe it would have saved lives. Personally, I believe that. What we have now is the spirit looming large over this, once again, this moment in history where a, a, a dictator, a bully, is pushing around a smaller foe and killing people, taking lives. And the fallout from this will, unfortunately, uh, be a negative one in many respects for decades. 
maybe maybe centuries to come. It's a very it's 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 almost it's it's hard to overstate the peril that we as a human community uh, um, face and have to live with in the in the fallout to an event like this. It is a pivotal moment in in history for more than just political means, and the, you know the the and in some ways the. The politics, the, the Ukraine being used as a political football, is a part of that, and uh, it is a it's a it's a tragedy uh, and a travesty of epic proportions. Thank you, and I agree with everything you're saying. There are four questions that popped into my mind, and somehow they're all related and not related at all. I'll go in this direction. You spoke about how, it seems to me, you spoke about spirit. What are your spiritual thoughts? I don't mean like in a belief sense, but about destiny, about like things turning out to be in our benefit, even if at the time they seemed like uh, catastrophes or do you believe that things are random or there is a grand plan? Like, what are your thoughts about this? Yeah, it's a it's it's one of the great questions, right? I, th I think uh, there's there's room for discussion on it. My personal belief is uh, that uh, your destiny does not lie before you; it lies behind you, and uh, that. But that again, the spirit. What I what I'm kind of talking about with regard to spirit is really memory. If you think about it. Without memory, without the ability to remember the events, the thoughts, the ideas, the inventions of our given time, humanity could not have evolved. It probably wouldn't have survived. Um, because in many respects, we're not the toughest beast on the planet, <laughs> frankly. And so it would have been very difficult. I mean, you can imagine society would be impossible. Uh, if people didn't remember the things that went wrong that they wanted to fix. Uh, if, you know, somebody invented the wheel, but nobody remembered how it was done or that it was done. And so you would have this very random uh, system, it, not even a system, it would be, you know, very random existence. Uh, very difficult to come together to form communities and build society and, and evolve as a, as a species. And I do see us as a species. It, it's it, it, so, but at the same time, that same memory, pull, pull, you know, is a uh, it, it also offers a an historical map of the fate of human evolution, <laughs> and. Um, this is, you know, I could talk all day about my feelings about this, but to try to sum it up, the 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 impact of given people, you just think about some of the great positive and negative figures in history. I'll just pick two, Jesus Christ and Adolf Hitler. And I don't mean to compare them as opposites, <laughs> but there are two highly impactful individuals just just and they're being used. Hitler's being used right now in Ukraine as a you know woo. He's the boogeyman. 
Hitler's dead now, 80 years. And yet his name, the memory of the evil, and we can call it evil, that he wrought is still so fresh. It's like an open wound for so many people. Many of them still alive who were alive in his, in his camps. So it's memory as pertains to spirit, as pertains to this roadmap that we leave the human race, the people that we come into contact on a daily basis. And for those of us whose spirit, you know, is broader in the world, is more, you know, uh, subject to the whole, uh, is of the utmost importance. It's, it's, I, don't, I can't think of a thing more important than maintaining your spirit as a positive force for change. There isn't really anything greater. And that's how I feel about spirit. As an I atheist. Love, <laughs> yes, I love what you're mentioning. At the same time, especially like, even in my audience, a lot of entrepreneurs and people who consider themselves like free spirits and they believe the past is shackles, a prison that is not allowing them to soar and that what matters is the future and that at any point in time, and it's a message repeated a lot in self-development, you're free to create any future regardless of whatever happened in the past, that uh, the past doesn't have to repeat itself and all that. At the same time, you're speaking of the value of the roadmap that you're speaking about and all that. What would you say to those people that say, well, there is no roadmap. That's what some random people came up with at the, at the time. And it doesn't mean that we have to follow it because uh, if we follow it, we're restricting our creativity and ability just to repeat what they did within the constraints of their limited knowledge within those years and all that. At the same time, you're speaking of the importance of uh, standing on the shoulders of giants. Uh, right? Otherwise, there will be like complete randomness and inefficiency where people will need to reinvent the wheel <laughs> all the time and all that. Maybe there is a balance, but in reality, a lot of people go extremes. They're either uh, trying to live in the 1800s or whatever, dress in that way, think that way and refuse to accept any modernity or to say the past doesn't matter. Those people that had their lives were today's people. So let's reinvent the wheel, but maybe we'll reinvent something better. What are your thoughts about this? Yeah, it's interesting, right? I mean, Santayana uh, comes to mind. Um, those who are not willing to uh, learn from history are doomed to repeat it. I'm slightly paraphrasing there, but I think we are, to some extent, I mean, memory, to some extent, subjects us to um, building on the past. I, and I would say that the evidence for that is that we have really actually come a long way as a, as a species, haven't we? I mean, this facade we have built is a little bit, we've kind of, uh, you know, maybe over-constructed <laughs> And now we're learning that, you know, we probably have uh, built this mm, system of, of, of distractions. You know, if you think about existentialism, they talk about boredom as being a, a major undercurrent for human thought and philosophy and, you know, um, the, the, the depraved human animal. 
but um, we have. We have kind of over-constructed it, and now we're learning, uh-oh, hang on, we maybe need to check up a little bit and, and maybe change some of the things that we do. But we wouldn't be able to do that if we didn't have memory. So it is important. It's not all bad news. Uh, the news generally is good. Uh, people have been oppressed, and I think the more we're open about expressing that, uh, the better off we will become. And it seems like with each generation, we are getting there. I love, for instance, this new movement on your podcast here. You had put your name and then your pronoun. This pronoun movement, I know a lot of people are, you know, railing against the notion that people can choose not to be male or female. And I, and I understand the fear behind that. You know, oh my God, the human race is going to become this band of hermaphrodites. Not going to happen. Nature is nature. But it's not an all or nothing. It's not a black and white. It's not a male. We're finding it out. It's not a male-female world. And I just like the fact that not everywhere, and there are, you know, some countries that are well behind uh, the curve on this, but that in some parts of the world, people are beginning to have a voice and being able to express it more often than not, and there are you know atrocities involved in this as well, but more often than not, being able to express that. And it's just, a, it's beautiful that we're here because it wasn't that long ago in the lifetime of my parents that that was totally unheard of anathema in the broader society. You saw two they-thems walking down the street holding hands, and it was impossible to, almost impossible to tell, you know, what gender they were reflecting. And really, if you think about it, gender, you know, the female gender especially, <laughs> has been branded, you know, dresses to skirts to, you know, I mean, but it's been all about the beautification, the beautification of, of the female gender of our species. But they don't, I mean, what is less attractive about a, a, a woman in blue jeans? Uh, for me, nothing. Uh, you know, I just, I, so it, it's, the, the ability to express that and have a conversation about it, I think is brilliant. So, yeah, I don't know if I answered your question, but it is, uh, it, it is interesting to think about these things, I guess. Thank you. And I remember another thing. I know you're fascinated with story, storytelling, and stories in general. And you are also deeply connected to memory, to spirit, and to history. So what's the role or the position of stories and storytelling within memory, the future, history, and the whole concept of being a human? Like, is it something? Well, I won't even answer that. Just let mm. me know your thoughts. Okay. And these are my thoughts. <laughs> um, story. Well, I guess I'll take it from the standpoint of creativity and the, and the various levels of creativity. Uh, 
for me, as I look at the world, and we're learning this increasingly as well as we explore in new ways the natural world, but really creativity exists throughout the animal kingdom. And to some extent, even into extends into flora, um, plant life, uh, and the interesting ways in which they, put some plant species have been, and very basic plant species, uh, have learned to um, uh, uh, survive at, at when 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 the chips are down, and it's really really interesting. Um, but if you look around the animal kingdom, the, the, the amount of creativity is just astounding. Uh, it's not a human trait. It, it is really truly a natural state. And it's probably the reason, if you, and, and I, even at the molecular level, um, cells uh, go through a system of, of sometimes random, and sometimes not so random, uh, um, plausible deniability, if you will. Just, you know, they, they try things and then they try something else to see what the best fit is. Virus does this. So, um, yeah, it, you know, we've been living through this pandemic and we've been talking about mutations. That's the virus trying to find a way to live in a host without killing the host. It's a very basic thing. Um, so creativity is really a, a very natural order. Uh, free expression is kind of like the next level. You know, if you think about a dolphin body surfing or, a, you know, a, an eagle soaring and, uh, you know, things of that nature, a, you know, a bear sliding down a hill on its back. Is it scratching its back? Maybe. It might just be fun to slide down a hill on your back. I know it is for me. So that kind of represents a more evolved species. Uh, and, and, you know, certainly that finds its way into the human animal. No, no doubt about that. I think the difference in the main event uh, for humankind appears to be self-expression. The ability to see the world through your very own filter. And this is where story comes in. Um, being curious about the world around you, and I tell my I tell my my writing clients all the time not to pay attention to some of the stuff that's out there about what you should do as a writer. You know, you should write every day. That's kind of true in the beginning. Um, you know, you you because you're exploring the field, you want to try to get a sense of what you're about, what what works, what you what you seem comfortable in, and what you don't. And maybe try those avenues that work best for you first. Maybe you go back to the other stuff too. But if you find something you're passionate about and you like to write in that medium, then that's probably going to be the best fit for you moving forward. And you don't need to necessarily write yourself, you know, write your experience. You're going to write that into whatever it is you're doing to begin with. But it's just as important, if not more important, to be, to be writing about something you're really curious about. That's going to keep you in the game. It's going to, you know, because writing is a lonely experience. <laughs> and this is the writing side of story. Story appears in virtually every walk of certainly the art world. Um, but from a writer's perspective, you, you being curious, being passionate about something you're curious about is really going to help you get to the finish line. 
So, and you don't have to be a, you know, a great storyteller to be a great writer. And you don't have to be a great writer to be a great storyteller. The two are not mutually attractive. Um, my dad was nearly illiterate, but could he tell a story? He used to sit at the table. You couldn't wait to eat at dad's house because he was going to, my parents were divorced. You couldn't wait to eat there because at, after dinner was the best part of dinner because dad was going to unfold these tales from, it could be some simple thing that happened to him on the way to work or some, you know, and he just had an ability to hold your attention. It was kind of maybe in a time when people were a little less ADD in life. <laughs> I think we have, uh, well, podcasts are an example of though uh, that still existing. The, the ability, people want to hear story. So I am not as good nearly as my father. Uh, we're unfolding a story is concerned. You know, I, I respect that ability in him uh, to the utmost degree. But I can, you know, I have learned through the 10,000 hours principle to be a writer. And I, and I understand it. And so, you know, I, but I, getting back to perspective, I think the ability to self-express is a uniquely human trait and should be experienced by every human being in their lifetime. For me, that's the thing that I want to champion most. Tell the stories. You don't have to tell your story. Tell the stories you want to tell. Talk about it. Write it down. For you, for the world, for your brother, sister, kids, whatever. Tell your story. Thank you. And mentioning that, what's the story of that led you to writing your most recent book? What fascinated you about the topic or the people or how did it come to be and how did it change you as a person? Great question. I was uh, four or five years into my writing uh, career and um, I had just, I was actually in writing in children's uh, fiction and had published recently a, a book, this is in the early 2000s, I had published a children's book illustrated by my um, girlfriend at the time, and, you know, I was taking a sabbatical and happened to be in the Philippines. Um, and uh, kind of a writing hiatus there. And while I was there, I was reading a book about the Big Bang. I had always been curious about the Big Bang. I had always been curious about the stars, loved the stars, uh, grew up with my my parents kind of, you know, keeping my mind on the stars, the solstice, the equinox, the movement of the planet, etc. Um, um, saw the lunar landing as a three-year-old and remember bits and pieces of it. It was a major event for me. And But I'm not an astrophysicist. I'm not an astronomer. I just had a, an affinity for it. This gets to the curiosity question. I was curious about it. So I was reading this wonderful book called Big Bang by a guy named Simon Singh, a wonderful, wonderful guy and writer and uh, physicist. And um, 
there was the story in there about a guy with an eighth grade education who became a cowboy mule driver, helped to drag the materials for this observatory, this world-class observatory, up a narrow mountain trail 10 miles in each direction. Uh, this perilous journey up this thing uh, to build this, you know, the world's greatest observatory with two of the world's greatest and most technologically advanced telescopes. And that was it. And, oh, and he went on to help Edwin Hubble uh, as, from a janitor, he became a janitor at the observatory. This is what I read in the book. And later helped Hubble, uh, Edwin Hubble, space telescope guy, uh, discover uh, the expanding universe. Practically, what they call practically in the business, which just means that they discovered the evidence for it uh, experimentally rather than theoretically, which came out of Einstein's general uh, relativity equations. All of that was of interest to me, but what is of a special interest to me was who's this guy who didn't spend more than a day in high school who went on to do this work and, and collaborate with him, and why don't we know more about him? And so that was that curiosity led me to the next step. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dig this up. I'm going to find everything I can about this guy and figure it out. And one thing led to another. And then speaking of following your bliss, I mean, the road to this was, there was no trail. Uh, and the only one led to his granddaughter. And that did open up some doors. But it, the, it actually, in actual point of fact, and the family and I laugh about this periodically, I have almost done, I've given them more information about their grandfather and great-grandfather than they had themselves. <laughs> because they knew the guy, right? But they didn't know his history, and he wasn't a great talker about his history. So I, that's, that's how I got started on this. And it led to the two books that... Um, the previous book on the biography on Humason and now this book on on Hubble and and he and there and this crazy race to uncover who did what when and wh Einstein and what he felt about it and it just it was just this crazy for 50 years through the middle of the 20th century these these all these world-renowned figures were standing on their heads trying to figure out what Humason was bringing down meant. Primarily, what Humason was bringing down meant. Very, very fascinating topic for me and for those who have any interest in science history and why, how, where we are and how we got here. I agree 100%. And I noticed your interest in the past and in the things and the people who have changed our existence forever or even events such as the Ukraine war. So I'm sure this book also changed you. But what's next? What you right now, at this point in time, where do you see your future road and roadmap taking you? Is there anything you're moving on next, some contribution to the world, something you want to do that you're fascinated about? Where is that passion and spark leading you next? 
Uh, good, excellent question. Uh, we'll continue down the path of story, um, and I'm uh, working. My next research project will probably be on some element of American history because I'm inspired by some events from my family's past, uh, the Civil War and presidential history. Uh, but presently, I'm enrolled uh, at Johns Hopkins in the graduate program there. And I'm doing research for a book on spirit, <laughs> on, on the role of memory in the development of modern society. And from this specific standpoint of the impact of our daily and uh, our daily influence and the influence of our lives uh, and our actions and thoughts on others. And so, um, yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of a, uh, been a subject that has been near and dear to my heart for many, many years, virtually my entire life, and uh, has evolved over time and I've been wanting to get to for some time. So that, for the near future, is uh, my, well, it's, it's, it's a big part of what I'm working on. I'm also working on children's books because I believe in developing young minds. And teaching, I am a believer that big topics, the things that scare people off, you know, the, ooh, this, you know, physics, ooh, you know, the bugs. I want to try to get people away from the notion, teach young people early on kind of the basics of physics so that when they get to the math that's involved, they have something to base it on, to, to, to metaphorize with. And uh, it really, when you think about it in those terms, you can really break it down into, to break the bigger parts down into smaller pieces and it makes life easier. So really influencing young people, um, trying to have some effect, use my voice to some positive effect in general through these various ways is really my path. That's, that is my path. That's my journey. Thank you. And if people want to connect with you, to know more about you, to find more about your previous books and future projects, what's the best way for them to connect with you? And I'll make sure to write it in the description. Thanks. I appreciate that. Yeah, the, the best and easiest way to uh, find out what's going on with me is uh, to go to my website at ronvoller.com and uh, there are links there to my books. Uh, the most recent one is Hubble, Hummison, and the Big Bang, as you mentioned. Uh, and the events that I'm currently involved in and the work I'm doing, uh, my social media links, etc., etc. It's really the easiest way to get me. Thank you so much, Ron. It was a, an honor, a privilege. And I look forward to more and more of such conversations. Thank you. Thank you, Abdulaziz. It's been a pleasure getting to know you.